Hey guys, welcome to my podcast, Free Reverie, and this is your host, Juju V. If you guys like what you hear, make sure to follow me on my social media, Instagram, JBSU18, Snapchat, JBSU, and Twitter, at Perfect Flute. Hope you guys enjoy. Before we get started with the discussion, I just wanted to kind of let you all know that this discussion was actually held on another's podcast, but because I was involved with it, um, I'm also having it on my podcast. Um, Linwood Storm had this topic called Black Education, and the only reason why I was even a part of it was because of my baby um, being a mixed child. So, I hope you guys enjoy. If you guys have any questions, have any comments, um, or have your own opinions about the topic that we're about to discuss, please comment below, message me, and uh, we might put it in the next podcast. So I hope you all enjoy. All right. Here we are with another episode of Black Grindhouse. Today's topic is the importance of black education, history, and creators that influence. Now, of course, you guys know I am Linwood Storm, a.k.a. Electronic Jack, with our guests. Ari Hart and Dorian Black from the Everyone Gets a Turn podcast. Gold Will from Black Medium and Cosmic Source. And Juju B from Re- Free Reverie. Yeah, that, that's a mouthful, huh? No, it's just this is... <laughs> It's, of course, you're used to having no, a mouthful. No, it's echoing in my headphones. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> it's echoing in my headphones. Free reverie. All right. So, what, what, what are you doing, Goldwell? Because I, I, I can hear all of that, that meat and that silverware. I was chomping but, on some meat. Let me just hit mute. Pause. Pause. Thank, thank you. Um, but... I wanted to talk about black education, the importance and the oh, and how it's usually omitted from the curriculum. Now, personally, I did do a I did do some years of public school. However, I the majority of my education was spent in homeschooling. And my mother, who was a uh, history major, focused a lot on black history, specifically with reading different books didn't necessarily all have to, have to be black history but a lot of it was because she that that was I would say that she was pro black but I I'm not to not to the degree of a lot of people today however um I I definitely that was definitely my start and I didn't have that interference where I was ashamed of I was ashamed of uh, learning about my own culture or learning about people who came before me, and and uh, you know basically gave me the blueprint to certain certain uh, certain careers that I wanted to venture out of, whether that be filmmaking or writing or I guess well programming was a whole different story what influenced my programming was my father but um yeah I, I think it's important to have that 
influence in school, that black influence in school when it comes to black education. And, and when I say black education, I don't necessarily mean, I, I don't necessarily mean the best education a black person can get. I mean, being able to, being able to surround himself or herself in an environment that encourages, encourages uh, empowerment. You know, and again, this is not trying to sound racist, but I, I mean, I think, I think, we can get i think we're more motivated as a people when we see our own people succeed in certain areas i know for me uh, you know i'm doing the screenplays i'm doing the filmmaking and what really encouraged me to become a guerrilla filmmaking which which means i spend as little as possible low budget and all that was robert rodriguez because he <coughs> sold me the formula with the uh i think it was the the five minute film school dvd or something like that however what really motivated me was Melvin Van Peoples, and I'm not I'm not sure if you guys have seen the movie Sweet Sweetback's Badass Song, which he did a lot to make that movie. He um he he also he also uh, borrowed money from Bill Cosby, which a lot of people don't know. Bill Cosby invested in that movie, and if you know anything about that movie, let me just give you the slogan. His his, his slogan for the movie was "Rated X by an All White Jury." All right. Back then it was it was it was huge because you had a movie where the black guy the black guy he was defying the police officers, he was seen as a sex symbol and he got away at the end. A lot of people were like, Okay, normally the black guy gets gets uh gets stopped by the police or dies or gets locked up, but in this movie he got away. And while I don't personally think that the movie was great by today's standards or its longevity, its significance at the time meant a lot. And the books and biopic that his son, Mario Van Peebles, you know, directed, it, it, it's, it's very inspirational. And I, I tend to watch it and read the book a lot to kind of push me forward and say, hey, Someone has already done what you're trying to do, so you just need to adapt because when they were doing it, it was a lot harder for them back then, but you have all of this. You're in a different era. You have more opportunities. You don't have as many um, obstacles in your way. There are still obstacles, but you don't have as many in your way. So I, I felt like I felt like his, uh, I, I forgot the whole title of it, but it was a guerrilla manifesto and his son his son wrote it about his father i really felt like learning from that book is what fully uh encouraged me to seek to to seek guerrilla filmmaking as a black independent director but um yeah what what about what about you guys because i'm i'm sure there was a point in your life where you felt like hey i need to seek out i need i need to seek out I need to see out, seek out black people in fields that I want to be in or that I'm inspired to be in. You guys, you guys want to? I feel like for me, it started in like my household 
um, with my grandma being a teacher and my mother being a police officer and my aunts being nurses, I got to see how diverse black people can be and how they use their intelligence in different types of forms, especially in a classroom setting. And I think a lot of people get caught up in the fact that they expect other people to teach their children about black mm-hmm. history and black culture. But that basically starts in the household because, you know, sometimes as parents, we do get caught up in survival mm-hmm. mode, teaching your kids that you have to provide for them. But black history and black culture is such a necessity, especially to us. So I think it starts in the basis of your household and teaching your kids those morals and why their black is important. So when they go to school and they don't get what they should be getting from black history and black culture, at least they have someone teaching it to them. Right. Yeah, and, like, for me, I am a teacher, and I teach in a predominantly black school. And um, once I got to college, that's when I really started to, like, connect with, like, more black people. Because, like, in high school, I went to an all-white school, and I wasn't very, like, conscious of my blackness. Mm -hmm. And we did actually have an African-American history class, which is, like, something that a lot of states don't have. So Mm -hmm. even me now, I just make it my mission to teach my students, like, about who they are. And I think me being a black teacher is helpful because they feel like oh my goodness like this woman is 24 she's a black teacher if I want to do that I can right um because I think that it's a, I think also a part of being just black like you need to in education you should have a teacher that looks like you at some point right because like how many black students can say like I've had like a black teacher every single year of schooling I only had one black teacher my whole four years of high school so, now I, I I do have a question on that note um, do you feel like, you, because you teach in, a, like you said, a predominantly black school, do you feel mm-hmm. like you aren't given the same amount of resources that would be given in a predominantly white school or a private well, school? I'm actually very fortunate because the school that I teach at, they we do have a decent amount of resources. I feel like in some areas we lack because it is a predominantly black, but like I teach literature, for example, and like all of my students like get a copy of the book that we're reading and like the school does have like a limited supply of like technology like computers so while we could definitely have more supplies we definitely don't have the least amount out of all of the schools in philadelphia um some because i used to be a substitute as well and like when i used to go to like martin luther king high school that school had like absolutely no resources and that's Mm -hmm. an all-black school and a neighborhood school at that Mm. now do you now now do you feel like it's important for a black child to be in a predominantly black school over a predominantly white school. That's so hard because because I, 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 I yeah I went to a school that was yeah. kind of mixed. It was North Carolina mm-hmm. Raleigh, so that's that's so hard to say because like I said, my high school was predominantly white, and most of my friends in high school were white, and I had like maybe a couple black friends. And I do, when I look back now, I'm like, damn, I wish I did go to, like, some sort of old black school, whether it was college or high school, because maybe I would have been connected to my blackness a little sooner. Um, But I just had the ability to seek that out on my own, and not every student has that. So I think it just depends on the child itself. Like, some students will be fine if they went to an all-white institution, both in high school and college, and they might be able to find themselves later on, but... Not everybody has that capacity to say, like, okay, yeah, I'm in these white spaces, but let me, like, seek out my blackness. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where it can get tricky. I think that's where it starts at home, yeah. Right. Back to what Dorian was saying about it starting at home. So that's so hard to say. Because it is good to have diversity. Right. But then it is good to be around people that look like you, especially as a black person. But at the same time, you also need that positive influence because black people Mm -hmm. aren't always positive towards one another. 
some people have different ex- different experience than the next man or woman, mm-hmm. especially with colorism, which Goldwell, mm. I, I believe, has experience in. Oh my God! Speak uh, on yo, it. That's true. I mean, like colorism for me, like so for me, for some reason, I guess a lot of people had latched on to uh, the fact that I'm dark skin, mm-hmm. and boy, this this carried a. Uh, this carried itself all the way from middle school to high school. I'm constantly being reminded, uh, oh, you're dark, uh, you're black, midnight, blah, 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 blah. Mm. It's like, it's like. And that was from other and, black students, correct? Oh, hell yeah. Most, mostly black. Like, mm-hmm. it, it was literally mostly right. black people. They, they're using it, they used me to get a quick laugh out of their friends, you know, ha, ha, he, he. And then at one point, I was just like, wait, what, what is wrong with my skin? Like, wait, what? Did mm. you face more, uh, racism colorism from black people more so than white people um i mean it was a lot more from black people it it was a lot more because i mean i didn't really associate with white people that much i i did know a couple a lot of people a couple of people who were white and also pointed out you know that i'm dark-skinned and whatnot and really it just like it came from like, from them, it was just like them being, you know, whatever the fuck. I, I don't care about them because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not, I don't really associate mm, that much with white circles. I'm not saying that I like, I like, I seek, you know, black friends. It's just mm-hmm. a lot of my friends are black. It's just who I hang around with. But dealing with that, you know, you, you start looking at yourself different and, you know, at first, it was more of a negative reaction because, you know, getting teased for being black, it's like, well, what the hell? But later on, it's just like, so, you know, I kept asking. I'm like, I'm asking the question, like, to myself, what is wrong with my skin? There's, there's nothing wrong with it. I don't, I don't understand. So, like, when people bring it up, it's like, okay. I mean, <laughs> thanks for pointing out that my skin is dark, you know, and... Also, for me, is wild because, and I'm gonna sound kind of bitter. What's wild is like, as the times changed, like early 2000s up to you know now, in the late 2010s, like people see darker skin now as you know attractive. And oh, beautiful. now people say stop acting light yeah. skinned and all that. Yeah, they, they're like, oh man, look how look how uh, the sweet ebony chocolate and all this. I yeah, but like, I don't know how that would be because in a lot in a lot of '90s media, it was mostly dark skinned African Americans. Now yeah. you see more lighter skinned African Americans on TV. What the fuck? Uh, <clears throat> uh, hold on for just a moment. Let me just put myself on mute. Tell your booty yeah, call so- to wait. I think when it comes to stuff like that, especially with influencers, um, it's just finding your black because now that I get older, I realize that black people, not only in shades, but personalities become in different types. So when you see, like, when you do see maybe an older person that's into Wu-Tang and that's something that you like, whether, you know, mm-hmm. you know, your people your age is more so into the new stuff you can relate to somebody like that that's somebody you can look up to that's an influencer you may want to communicate and learn more about I think um as black people we have to understand that we are different whether it's complexion or personalities because we 
are on this major spectrum and we can be weird we can be funny we can be ratchet if we want and I think it's just finding a mentor or someone who reaches out or connects to you a little bit more and I think that's kind of cool how uh, a lot of young people are taken to education and Mm -hmm. you see a lot more younger African-American teachers uh, especially in uh, HBCUs you see how diverse we can be on Mm -hmm. campus so I think that all flows into being an influencer as well as how different black people are. Yeah. And I think also when it comes to like the conversation of like colorism, like I think that's just something that every black person is going to uh, experience Mm -hmm. at some point. Like even me going to all those white schools, I definitely did look at my dark skin as a problem. And it took me getting to college for me to like love being dark skin. And now I would never change my complexion and now you see a lot of people trying to be darker or trying to be black mm-hmm. quote unquote so I just think that but that comes with growth right like, oh you mean so with the Daisikis and the, the African pendants and all that yeah because like, that used to be corny at one point but now everybody's right. hopping on that bandwagon especially mm-hmm. because of the Black Panther movie exactly and just being black in general is a struggle for people like unless like we're we going back to the, like how it starts at home like, unless you have parents who, like, really tell you constantly how beautiful your black is and, like, who you are, you will struggle as a black person, right. no matter your complexion, to find yourself, I feel. And it's even harder, I feel like, maybe even for, like, darker-skinned people because it's, like, at least if you're light-skinned, like, quote-unquote, right, you're a little bit more attractive or whatever, but if you're dark-skinned, you just have, like, that much more to, like, fight through. Yeah. So, so you feel like there's a privilege when it comes to being lighter-skinned? Um, I think that's always been a thing, you know, since the beginning of time, you know, light-skinned people most likely have better opportunities in school as well as in a workforce. So there's definitely a such thing as light-skinned privilege. And I think for light-skinned people, they need to take uh, accountability and understand that they do have a privilege and shine a light on it. I mean, I mean, how so? Like, what what can they do to address it? Like, just speaking up for the masses, because you know there is a lot of light skin versus dark skin going on. Instead of entertaining it, they need to under they need to speak on it. Like, listen, we are all black. Mm-hmm. You know, it, this light skin dark skin thing shouldn't be a problem. We need it to, really shouldn't right rather than just being a bystander to it. I mean, I, I do feel like it's one of those dividers um, similar to classism in a way. Mm-hmm. Because you, you, you do have upper class black people look down on lower class black people, won't give right. them the time of the day. And you have the opposite as well. Because I guess quote, quote unquote acting boozy could be perceived as not being black. Remember that episode of uh, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air where Carlton was like, being black is not what I'm trying to be. It's who I am. So mm-hmm. you have you have that instance as well. I remember uh, I'm speaking with my brothers, and I'm I'm speaking on certain issues, and one of them's like, "Why do you care so much? You grew up, quote unquote, white because I grew up upper middle class." And mm-hmm. I'm like, "Why? Why am I supposed to just allow my class to uh, to get in the way of me speaking for these people?" And uh, to a degree, I, I feel like some people won't even listen when they realize my own upbringing. My, I was fortunate enough to be in a situation where my father could provide and we live comfortably. 
most of the time, and I had opportunities to be exposed to to a lot of literature, and that's that's what inspired me to write, to read a lot more because I love reading, I love writing, and I I, I get it. Not everybody has that opportunity. Not everybody has access to pick up um, certain books like what Goldwell and I were talking about. We, we talked about why does everything black in the media have to be urban? Why can't we have uh, a story about black pirate in space or something like that? Yeah, yeah black space cowboy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I am writing that, so yeah. Uh, but um, yeah, I I agree. I've actually gotten those comments myself where people say, you know, I act white, talk white, all that. I mean, people tell me all the time that they can't tell it's me over the phone, even though I sound the exact same in person. Um, You know, you get those comments and you just think, like, what do you think parents are supposed to do? Like, that's what I I, I honestly want to ask a lot of people when they say, it's like, oh, you, you, you grew up you know, with all this privilege and all this, like, you, you had your parents give you this, that, and the third. It's like, yeah. But that's what you would, to. that's what you should want. Yeah. You, 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 you so desire generational wealth because my kids are going to live even more fortunate than I grew up. And I, yeah. I want that to pass on. I don't right. want us to be stuck in uh, the same situation. And I think that, you know, that should be something that we tell uh, more of our people because the the black experience is much, much more further uh, removed from the hood than most people would realize. I mean, you know, like I said, uh, Electronic Jack and I, we grew up, you know, middle class. My mother was in the Navy. My father's a mechanic. Uh, And, you know, I, I grew up listening to nothing but hip-hop music i mean i remember the days that i was small coming out of my dad's uh trooper with my ears ringing because he would play it so loud oh see for me it was r&b they played a lot of r&b i mean i had r&b too they did they did the old school with usher the cassette tapes r kelly before it was bad <laughs> <laughs> it's it's still people still listen to r kelly Why, who are we fooling uh, I don't at least, you know, I took him off my playlist a long time ago. He, Gotta I go. I wasn't a huge fan of his outside of the, uh, uh, what was that? The Isley Brothers? Oh, Contagious? Yeah. Man, I still miss Batman. I, I love that song. He wrote it for the Shaft remake. I'm a Batman. I, I, I don't think it was a Shaft remake. I think it was, uh, it's a continuation. It's actually Oh, continuation. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because Samuel Jackson plays the, uh, think grandson or something like that it's crazy but um yeah like i said like a lot of a lot of you know the experiences i was allowed to have growing up was because i wasn't pigeonholed into what a lot of people believe is the black experience you know i i grew up my parents read to me i was read to at school so it and I don't know what it is. Like I think I get it from my dad, but um, he he loved he he created beats when I was younger, and he and my cousin both rapped. And I guess I get that creative energy from him because afterward, you know, at as soon as I learned how to write, I started trying to write books immediately. Like mm-hmm. I, I would write little short stories, and 
uh, I've been writing ever since. Like music, as soon as I could get my hands on a program, I started making music. As soon as I could get my hands on a game design program, I've been making games, and I've been making games for 16 years now. Like, and the thing is, like, you would never know that this is what black people do because a lot of people uh, don't, they're, they're not educated on the fact that there's an experience that's beyond what they see on television. That, and I think, I think black parents need to do a better job of motivating their children into careers that they want to get into, or rather passions and folk and, uh, encourage them to monetize those passions afterwards because that's how it was with uh with uh, my family and my parents um i remember again i i wanted to write stories my father would purchase me a whole bunch of uh notebooks you know he even let me borrow his laptop it was a it was a very old laptop um but yeah he he encouraged me to to, of course, he didn't want me to rush into certain things because I was still young, but he encouraged me to be creative, to, to follow my dream. And I, I remember this one incident, um, and I had cornrows. I was, a, I was a kid outside of the Kingdom Hall. And if you guys don't know what the Kingdom Hall is, it's where all of the Jehovah's Witness come together and plot their evil schemes. Um, so... So this guy, this guy's talking to my father and I, and the guy, I, I guess he assumed by me having cornrows that I wanted to be a football player. I have no idea where that came from, but my father was like, no, my son is going to be a programmer because back then I was, I was into you know, programming video games. So like, he was like, no, my son's going to be a programmer. So, you, you know, he really pushed me into whatever that I wanted to do. And for that, I'm very thankful of him. But um, yeah, to you two, do do you feel like a parent should should push their children into their passions? Yeah. Yes, I definitely agree because you know, you know, most of the education you're going to spend most of your time with your children, so they look up to you more than anybody else. So instilling that they can be whoever they want to be and they can choose a career that they desire is always important. And I think with you know, not just in black homes, but most homes. I think that's an important aspect right. to raise your children to always be the best them they can be rather than try to instill them in different directions. Because I know, mm -hmm. like me, my parents always support me in everything that I want to do. And they tell me whatever I choose to do, put 130% into it, mm -hmm. no matter what it is. So, yeah, I definitely agree on that. Yeah, and I think that... Um... Black parents also should let their kids know the different routes in which, you know, they can take. It's not always college or sports, right. like, you know what I mean? Or even trade schools, you have to let kids know everything that is open to them. Mm -hmm. And, like, I think that's why it is important for, like, there to be teachers who care. Mm -hmm. Because, yeah, like, of course you spend a lot of time with your child, but they spend a lot of time with their teachers, right? I see my kids, like, for six hours a day, Monday through Friday, and if their parents aren't doing a lot of the encouraging, that's my job. You know, yeah. I have multiple students who don't feel like they even really want to make it out of high school. And that's my job to let them know, like, these are your options. Mm -hmm. You can do whatever you put your mind to. And even your teachers, like, yeah, you see your teachers and we're all here and we went to college and got degrees. But we all have our stories, too. Like, my life was not a piece of cake to get to where I'm at now. Right. right? So even though I'm a teacher, 
I struggle just as much as you. And I just think that's why it's even that much more important to have teachers in the classroom who can do the motivating as well because parents, some parents don't even care. Right. right? Well, some parents just want you to get a job so that you can contribute to the household. Right. Exactly. And that's not okay. I I feel like that's backwards in a sense. Mm -hmm. No, I agree. Uh, And I think a lot of, I think a lot of black parents have a lot of toxic traits about them and they don't realize mm-hmm. that they make their kids grow up a lot faster than they should be like right. black kids don't really have the opportunity to be kids for as long as like kids from other backgrounds mm-hmm. and white people see that as well a lot of times they judge black students and black children and think they're so much older than what they are right because of how they perceive themselves right because how on how they're raised yeah and like you know i was fortunate enough to have a mom who even to this day that i live with and she still, you know, does, she does a lot of things for me. And a lot of my friends are like, oh, you don't do that for you. Yes, she does. And I'm 24, but she does it because she loves me. And I don't think a lot of black kids really get the experience that they're, like you just said, like the parents are pushing them to do stuff and not supporting them. Like, why would you want to send your child out into the world when they don't have it all together? Right. Oh, yeah, that's that's huge. Yeah, like my mom always said, like, I'm not about to send y'all out here looking crazy or like y'all don't have nah, same here right? same here you know what i mean so like and yeah i'm a teacher i have a degree i have two degrees but my mom still supports me right now and she's she's here for me until i'm able to completely go out on my own and i just don't think a lot of black kids have that mm-hmm. and dorian you know your mom is uh very supportive it seems like you know because me and dorian we both still live with our parents yeah. so and my mom she still supports me not even financially, but um, emotionally, too. Like, she's constantly telling me, like, if especially with us doing podcasting, she supports me a lot. She gives me ideas. She mm-hmm. stimulates me creatively. And she just encouraged me to be the best me I can be. And I feel like, you know, even in the classroom setting with you, you kind of have to bring that little emotional part into the yeah, mom. Yeah, because yeah. I have a friend who's also a teacher, and he deals with mostly behavioral issue children and he has to bring that love and affection to them mm-hmm. because nine times out of ten they're not getting it from home exactly. and they're it's maybe experienced some type of abuse or they're out there defending themselves because they don't have uh-huh. anyone supporting them so you know when they come to a classroom setting and they get that kind of comfort and love support from someone who's an older mm-hmm. person or a mentor it's it puts them back on that track to maybe there's a possibility I can be something much more than what I am. Exactly. Now, uh, going back to the whole living at home with your parents, I, I really think that's a, because that's not uncommon if you look at other cultures. Because if you look at other cultures, you you have a, you have families that hey, when you you can leave, you know, when you're getting married or when when you're carrying on a specific uh, specific faction of the company. And that's, mm-hmm. and that's usually a company that belongs to the family. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's more, that's more efficient than repeating the same cycle of sending somebody off who's not financially stable. Now, right. for, now, now for me, <clears throat> now for me, I was, I was always supported. I wasn't necessarily pushed out of because leaving was something that I wanted to do for, you know, for, a handful of reasons, but mostly because I, w- I wanted to uh, kind of get a feel for it mm-hmm. and kind of kind of make my own way. I I never had my parents say, "Hey, 
you have to it's leave at this age. You have to leave at this age. As after I left, my parents were always like, "Hey, if you need to come back, come back. We got a room for mm -hmm. you." You know, so I I never got that whole hey, you're gonna have to. And and even and I was talking about this with my father. My father was like, because we were talking about some kids actually pay rent after a certain age with their parents. Right, present. Um, <laughs> I had to do that. Yeah, I remember. I I don't get I it. My my parents when weren't like in that. In college, the rule was uh, I was sophomore year, and uh, my mom said, "Well, hey, if you're going to be staying out past this time, I don't need to be worrying about a deadbolt anymore because um, you'll have a key. If you're going to stay like that, then two hundred a month." You see, a see, my my, my Oof, what a couch. My parents. Oh, what you got? You had to pay more. No, I only played a hundred. Okay, see, see, my uh, parents were like, you, you know, live here for free, invest that money. That was the most important well, thing that they conveyed to I me. I worked for invest my parents money too, so they, what I worked for was part of the rent, and then I still got my paycheck. So then I was able to still go do whatever I wanted to so, do. So, so working for them kind of nice. canceled out the rent. Yeah, pretty okay. much. Well, because I was a commuter. I, I mean, that's pretty. That's pretty like fair. Several thousands of dollars for a tiny ass room. So um, I commuted and yeah. See, for for me, my 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 parents were about because time time is very important. So for me, for me, they wanted me to kind of pave my own way instead of focusing on this, that, and the third, and <laughs> not being able to focus on one without thinking about the other two. You know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, my parents were so. As Electronic Jack knows, uh, my parents were kind of tough. Um, and That's an understatement. Me, Mine were tough, they, too. Yeah, they, yeah they, you guys they, got abused. I'm no, like, we didn't. I had a good. It taught, no. I had a we good. We were paying rent. No, you know, I'm, talking I, about, I think, I'm talking about, like, uh, I'm talking about, like, corporal punishment and all that. Like, oh, I, yeah. I got a, I got a good. Yeah, yeah, you, you know, I, I generally don't think like, for that that one is particular because that is like a huge thing in the black community. It's it like, is you, you get you get bad grades. I don't under, you get an ass I don't understand than... these memes, the, the, like these these corporal punishment in the black community memes. I don't understand them. I've, I've never been hit with a belt. You know, I got spanked by hand before, but that that was the most of it. You know. I um not not grounded but a restriction. I couldn't play video games. Is that maybe for you never a couple... got a whooping? No, oh, no, I got a whooping. No, I've I... never, <laughs> I've, I've never got you a whooping. Already, you already know. My mom beat me with a um, not beat me, but um, with a cutting board. I Christ. Yeah, well, that was her favorite well, thing with the ridges at rigid edges and. Uh, that's yeah, honestly so. shocking to hear because. I feel like whooping kids is like something that you mostly hear like in like the black or even. Oh no! What happens in white communities too? I'm white. But it, it, yeah. Oh yeah. So yeah. yeah I, I've heard about family. my um. I I actually, I uh, what you call it? I was walking home one day and like the one of the vice principals pulled up and gave me a ride home and I told him about me getting beat and he's like, yeah, back in the day, my mother used to beat me with her shoes. Used to I mean, it was, was worse. Like, Holy shit. Look, parents, parents <laughs> think that, well, we had it worse, you know, so stop right. crying. Yeah. But nah, whatever man, they do I is can't. reflected of how they were punished and stuff. My mom had a pick I mean, they think switch. by doing, oh, that was, oh, that's. Yeah. She had, a, if it wasn't big enough, it was. Jack, Jackie big. was disciplined. Like she was in the black family. I, uh, the, the cut a switch thing that's that's black that's black right I, there. 
go it outside is. and cut a switch. Well, I mean, my parents, whatever they did reflected upon what they were done to, uh, as kids. Like, whatever beating that they got from their parents kind of reflected on how they tried raising us. There was a point in my life where I presented the issue, like... I'm too afraid to talk to you guys. You guys want me to talk to you, but I'm too afraid to because every time I try to, there's arguments and then you whip me or whatever. So then they stopped. Um, they got these Oh, just books. like that? Yeah. Wow. Like they went wow. out, they, they, they were determined to fix it because when I said um, that this is pretty much abuse, they were like, what did we do to you? You know, and then when I presented it as this is how it's making us feel, um, they were like, geez, that's what our parents did. I feel bad, guys. Wow. I, I don't I don't know. What the, what's that like? Jesus Christ. I know. Well, what's that like? What's what's uh, it like to be able to talk to your parents? Because I but wasn't I, able to talk to my parents until I was 18. That's when they uh, started no, see, it got The point that it uh, stopped was my dad is my stepdad, but he adopted me. Um and my mom was at work, and I somehow I just ticked him off doing laundry because I wasn't folding towels right. And I kept telling him, no, I'm doing it right. He grabbed me back of the head, told me, I'm, I'm your dad. You need to be listening to me. And I was like, no. So I escaped, and he chased me around the table, and he knocked me to the floor, took a chair, slammed it right beside me, and it broke. <laughs> And oh, I that told my mom, yeah. yeah. That's a little, mom, uh, you know, how yeah, well, well, it was the anger and stuff. When my mom gets mad, she black out. She black out. Um, she she told me she sees red. So whenever she starts feeling herself feel that way, because when I presented that issue, she was like, "When I do get mad, I feel this like urge that that happened to me as a kid." Um, oh, God. You know, when she wanted her dad to stop doing whatever he was doing to her. Um, beating her and stuff like that. So that's when they kind of stopped. They got these books and um, it did help. It stopped for a little while at least. Uh, but uh, the rest of it was I more think... towards like grounding. So like taking away our electronics. Like they felt like that was the last So yeah, better. restrictions. Yeah, that's... Yeah, yeah. so they yeah. yeah they started taking away our electronics and sending us to our room. We got grounded for summers at a time. All that stuff. <laughs> Oh, but I mean, if if you guys, they did a study actually. Um, it was the school that in, instead of d instead of detention, they started to um, do meditation, mm -hmm. and apparently, the class participation rose due to that. Yeah, that would like annoy me. Uh, well, med meditation. meditation? It's yeah, I, I love meditation. I'd rather be it's forced amazing. to write. It <laughs> I'd rather be forced to write. I would not do such and such a hundred yeah. times. That's what I had I to do as kids. Like five hundred times. That sounds painful. Five hundred times. Yeah. I will not do this. I will do what my mom says. Five hundred times. Oh God. I yeah. mean, like, luckily, like for me, my my parents stopped. Well, around when I was eighteen, because I'm an adult, then they just threatened to kick me out all the fucking time. But like after I left, like. I let my dad know, like, we can run hands. I literally told him, I was like, I'll, I can fight you. I literally will, too. And there's like, there's nothing you can do to stop Yeah, but have you ever you. fought your dad before? Because no. I've been in an actual boxing ring with my father. 
I, I, mean, I can't imagine us actually ring. duking that's it out to the ring. That's not like, like a confrontation. I mean, like, my, like, my, fa- my father is a, a, a six, six foot five ex Marine. I'm not fighting that's him. I'm going to suit him. I'm not going to cheat if I have to that's kill totally my father. Six two, 200 pounds. You know, he's, he's a strong guy and he grew up in, you know, 1970s Brooklyn. But I don't my, fa- my father will beat your father. <laughs> We, we, we ain't gonna yeah. play that. I'm not okay. even going close to my dad. <laughs> we're, we're gonna bring our fathers to a boxing ring. My dad can beat up your dad? Nah. Is this, is this the 90s? My dad can beat up y'all dad. This, 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 is, this is the 90s, yeah. <laughs> Instead but, of us fighting, yeah. we get our dads to fight. Like I said, like when when you're, when the kids start you know, getting that independence and when the black... Mostly, like I've seen it in the black homes, for some reason, a lot of times, black parents don't recognize the independence of the kids. Mm-hmm. It's It's really awkward because it's like... They don't realize that this kid is growing up, and it's it, it. They want to keep the subjugation that they had that they had, you know, when they were kids. And you don't realize like, like kids talking back or trying to defend themselves isn't disrespect. It's, it's not. not yeah, it's, it's not. That's it's, it's, yeah, it's definitely not disrespect. It's uh, again, you should be able to calmly explain to your children why you want certain things to be done, mm-hmm. and that's one of the disconnects I had with my with my father because I could explain to a T why this won't work and why what I'm putting out there is the right thing to do, but it it didn't it didn't fly until of course I was proven right. Yeah, my mom always said um she didn't want me to be walked all over so she wanted me to speak up. But the one time that she got on my nerves, I spoke up to her well, see, so was talking about speaking up to I other people, fired. not to her. The first time I got fired from uh, my job because you I got told fired her, by your mom. I told my mom to shut the fuck up. Oh, well, oh see, that that's... wouldn't fly yeah. in the black family. No, she, yeah. was, she was Ew. telling me to shut up. That'll get you killed. She was saying she was going to kick my ass and stuff like that. So, you know what? I grew some balls that day and I said, shut the fuck up. And she goes, you're fucking fired. And then I was like, see ya. That, yeah, that's a white. Look, I, I've, I've heard you, your sister, your mom argue. Yeah. You guys are a white family. You just throw it around, bitch. Oh, no, my sister fuck, and my mom have really gotten into each other's faces. That, and that would never, that would that never, would never happen. happen. That would never fly in a black family. No. no. Yeah. See, the thing is, is if you're going to say something, you wouldn't even be able to face. get to say the first two letters you of that swear word. You would say, fuck, and then you would say, you would, you would say, you would say the first two letters, get smacked. And reincarnate it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, no, I learned from that t- time on not to say that anymore. But it was just one of those things. Like I was so tired of being talked down to by my mom. I was like, it's time to put you in your place. Just this I, one time, and I told her about that later on. I was like, we need to respect one another. You cannot keep talking to me the way you are. I'm an employee. You need to treat me like one. Stop being my mom that's in the bold. workplace. I mean, That's like very I, bold. I spoke yeah. back to my mother. Like I remember, because I I used to always get beatings because homework. And it's like, oh, mm-hmm. you're not getting this homework, blah blah blah. And then she's like, you need to improve. And then I just stood up and said, I will improve. I yelled at her. At the time, she had the extension cord in her hand. She <laughs> whipped me across the fucking neck, oh, and then no. I, like I fell down. And she's like, Who are you yelling at? I will choke you. And I was like. And this is the time when I never, like, I stopped going to my mom for, like, everything. I See, okay. I, I feel bad for you guys because the only, comp, the only, uh, the only conflict between me and my father, I, I, I don't remember exactly what happened, but I, I knew that 
I, I think I pushed him or I hit him, and then he punched me in the eye, gave me a black eye. That that led to a whole bunch of yelling, me trying to run away and all that. And I guess, uh, you know, days passed, and we're, we're talking it out. He's apologizing, you know, because uh, it, that's that's when he's really started to work on his anger because I think we both had anger issues stemming from – I. I'm I'm not sure if they were the exact same place, but you know he was he was abused by his mother, and my mother my mother didn't abuse me as bad, but she she I, I would just say she's a mean person. I mean, so yeah, yeah like, I mean, my, I, I learned I learned how to be mean from her. Let's that, yeah. just put it like that. So um, yeah, he really saw that. He said, "Hey, I I don't ever want to lay hands on." my child again because at the time i was after yeah punched me i was i was angry and yeah i see i don't think parents understand the psychological effect Mm -hmm. of of abusing their children because i started having nightmares about that like like confrontation with my father what if i need to kill him like i was actually thinking about getting certain things and yeah how i defend myself but most importantly how, how to kill him no, and that wasn't like that for me at all. See, that, it was like that for me because oh. that's 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 the kind of uh, like I, it r- really taught me not to trust anyone because if you can't trust your parents, mm-hmm. I mean, for for me that was commonplace. I was like that. Yeah, it was commonplace to you. For me, it, it was yeah, it was, was, it was like because like, we got to is... the point where because he thought I was challenging him, and I'm like, no, you're you look this, you're wrong, you know. And, um, like, like I said, afterwards, that's when he started to get into meditation, started to get into yoga, Zen, reincarnation, all that, being spiritual. And mm-hmm. he's kept that up for years. So, you know, like I said, both of us have really grown. We are entirely different than how we were a decade ago. So, and that's what I'm trying to do is, um, when I get mad, I tend to have certain tendencies that my mom had. And so when I started realizing that, I knew I had to change, especially now that I have a little boy. Um, I can't get as mad as my mom did, and I, I'm not going to be punishing him the way that my mom did. Oh, yeah, hell no. You know, my dad didn't really do anything uh, that left bruises or anything like that. My mom did that. That was the only boundary he ever had was he just didn't get too close. And so I'm just not going to do that for my son. Um He's a little over a year now, but he is mixed. So yeah, that's yeah, the whole I was just about why to I'm on this podcast yeah. is kind of present that. And when you guys mention light skin um, privilege, it's getting me kind of worried. So because how am I supposed to educate him uh, being white? You know, his daddy and I have talked about this and I told him, I said, you're going to have to really help me out um, because I he's not going to relate to me. Born of two cultures. Yeah. Like I said, well, it's going to be... Well, two hate each other, you know? Uh, I mean, we don't yeah. hate each other. It's not hate, a but lot. it's definitely... From hating a each lot. Other. There's a lot of contempt, and there's uh, a definitely. lot of misunderstanding. Yeah. Like, but, like, the thing is, like, what what Kong... Because a lot of the times... And this is a fault of the mid, mid-2000s, because this, this was, like, a huge era where this was bullshit, like, was happening. A lot of people saw light-skinned as, like, the, the gold standard, and it just got out of control. And, you know, a lot of lighter-skinned black people were just like, yo, I'm lighter, 
I'm the shit, you know, people were more favorable towards them. And that's where the whole light skin privilege thing came in. Praising light skinned women. Light skinned, red bone, yellow bone, all that. Yeah, yeah that's the, something they... I never got is that I keep talking about this to other people. I'm like, everyone wants to make um, some type Mixed of judgment bits. towards interracial dating and things that's just messed up, but they love the look of a mixed child when it, you know she's a beautiful model and all this stuff. And I was like, do you realize where she's coming from? She's coming from two different people. Uh, and, yeah. yeah, so that was it's something good. I've always talked about. I think about. when, um, excuse me, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, um, but I did want to on, talk on the topic of like you having a mixed child. It is kind of difficult, and I, I do see where you're coming from, especially asking the father to step in and teach him about black things. But mm-hmm. even you as the mother, like you can also teach him like, hey, you know, you're you're mixed, you and you are different, but you also have this part of you and this part of you, and understand that all colors are beautiful. And even mm-hmm. at a young age, when you instill those morals and those ideas into them, as they get older, they're able to see for themselves. Okay, here I come from two different races, but all colors are different. Nobody is less than, or nobody is more than. So you, even as his mom, who being white, you can also instill those ideas into him as oh, yeah. well. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's something that I've really thought about. Um, the daycare that I actually chose for him, I'm very thankful for because they absolutely love my son and it's predominantly black. And I told the owner, I've had one-on-one conversations with her talking about how I feel about raising a child that's mixed. And Mm -hmm. she said that she's always there for me if I need to have any questions. Cause I was like, because his dad, we're not together. And mm-hmm. so he's far away. I don't want to bother him because then, you know, that's just issues there. Right. So, um, but the kids that are there are mostly mixed. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted him to be in a place where it wasn't predominantly white. And so I, I'm very thankful for where I, I have him while I'm at work and stuff like that. Because when we come home, you know there's no one in my family who is of color in any way, mm-hmm. you know? So, um, you know, she told me that if I wanted her to, then her, her aunt and her cousin who all work there will help explain, um, you know, black culture to my son if he has any questions. And so I'm, I'm very thankful for that. So at least I, yeah. I took precautions and she's always told me that, it's very bold of me to ask certain questions like that right. and um, and just to have that concern. Like I told her, I was like, I don't know what to do when it's hair, you know, and she was like, a lot of people don't even think about that. Right. You know, and, and- um, but I do. So because I'm, I was prepared when I was about to have him, I looked up all kinds of stuff. Like he has eczema now. So mm-hmm. I'm doing home remedies of like oatmeal bombs and all this other stuff and it's working. It just took a while to figure it out, but yeah, really. I think that just speaks to you as a mother and as a person, because there are a lot of white women who Mm -hmm. date black men just to have mixed babies, but they still don't Don't. like the black culture. And they don't take interest in trying to be educated. And that's the, well, to them, it's a fetish really. He is a fetish. And I think that's the issue 
that some people have with interracial dating. It's like, okay, you want to have beautiful mixed children with someone, mm-hmm. but do you know the complications that that will put upon that child if you are not actually interested mm-hmm. in right. that culture and educating that child, right? Because they're still a, this is a human being, right? right? Yeah. And they're going to face certain things that as a white person, you do not know. Right. Right. And I think that took a lot for you to actually take those things into consideration, mm-hmm. especially raising a mixed child. And, you know, come to say, you, there's a lot of things he's going to come across, whether, you know, he's fair skinned. He may experience some colorism too, because sometimes, you know, oh, yeah. we attack each other when, you know, when it comes, oh, you're light, you think you're light skinned, you think you're prettier. You know, mm-hmm. there may be times where he experienced colorism. And, you know, you have to teach them how to handle it when it comes to him, as well as just loving all colors, whether it be white or black. So, yes, yeah. yeah, it's, it's a lot to go into black culture. And for you to take that step, that, that says a lot of you, about you as a person. Yeah. And like Thank even you. I have a few students who are mixed and the black kids are kind of mean to them. Like yeah. they're like, oh, you, you know, you you're just white or something or you're white ass. And they'll say that and the students don't look white. They're mixed. And but they still look like they're a person of color, but the kids they they find something to harp on, like they find something to jump on the kids about. So like, you know, that's something to take in consideration. Like, yeah, okay, you're black, but now you have black people possibly not liking you because of the fact that you're half white. Right. Right. You just have to teach your children, you know, on both spectrums, whether you have two black parents or whether you're biracial that you know, we are all black. We come yeah. from... and that's we, what I tell people, too. We right. black that Look, Trump, we fucking black with his ass. Right. He don't We're give a shit what complexion you are <laughs> life and how skin, many right. characters you have. have. But I think we just have to teach them, especially with you being in a classroom setting, right. you have to step in and, like, listen, you guys come from a back room of black culture. You have to learn right. how to respect each other and coincide because she's no different than you are and he's no different than you are. At the end of the day, y'all both human. Y'all both y'all black. Both mm-hmm. At the end of the day, you're both yeah. going to get pulled over by the cops. <laughs> exactly. And that's uh, what people don't get. Yeah, it's well, really- I, um, with his daddy, he was actually the first black I've ever been with. And mm-hmm. it wasn't to have a goal of having a mixed kid. Right. Um, I found out I was pregnant the week of my graduation from college. So it was a total surprise. Um, but, you know, I'm still learning about the culture. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not against, you know, Linwood Storm here is going to be showing me, like, more black exploitation that I've never heard mm-hmm. of in my entire life until he said it. I, I and, mean, uh, I, I wouldn't bring up black exploitation as no, a huge part of our culture. No, especially I'm just since saying it's still I'm open to, like, it learning is. more about it. And um, I, I mean, it's it's a, it's a I, I would call it a pivotal, but I, I don't think black exploitation has had that much influence on our culture as, as of today. I, I know I was talking to, to uh, Goldwell, but like a lot of that stuff we've kind of moved away from while there are still aspects of it, such as the importance of fashion. But uh I mean, I, I guess there are little pieces. The loss of Pimpin. I mean, those are just like gold pillars, man. Yeah. You can't. Yeah. You, can't you can't get rid of those. But I, but I, I feel. I feel like. I feel like we. The '90s kind of really moved towards more glorification of urban, urban hood situations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got. You know, but I will say this: '90s had a lot more um, 
lot more films that kind of taught, kind of gave, kind of gave a message, such as uh, I think it's South Central. I'm not sure how many of you guys have saw that movie. I haven't seen South Central. Dead Dead Presidents is another good one, but there were a lot of films in the '90s that, while they were urban, quote unquote urban, they still had some sort of message. Whereas Black Exploitation were mainly films that, while they promoted black empowerment, a lot of them were made by white directors who were just casting in on a uh, trend, and they 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 saw that hey, black people spend almost just as much money as white people do at the theater. So we're going to we're gonna capitalize on whatever movement that's going on with them. I, I think I'm just more intrigued by like the issues that a lot of individuals faced back then because I'm like, why, it, why would that but happen? That, but that's why black I, education yeah. is important because not a lot of, uh, not a lot of black kids, black, the black youth, black people in general – understand you know what we had to overcome whether it was black wall street or having having certain places burned down or mobs come to lynch people because we were outselling them because white people were coming to us for services so it felt like it was like whenever we made it made a move you know they were trying to tear us down and now because we don't teach that now we don't feel like we can we can follow in those footsteps because it's not being taught, and I almost feel like I don't, I don't want to be a conspiracy theorist, but we we have we have Black History Month where people focus on Black history, but That's after this the, month, by the way, yeah, th- this month February, okay. yeah, it started. You didn't know that? Yeah, I just uh, told okay, you. Okay, okay. <laughs> um, thank you for interrupting me, by the way, but uh, so. We have this one month, and black people are focused on this one month, but after that, it's like, okay, we focused on black history, but, you know, that that's it. The month's over. Next February, it is. I mean, I think, because you couldn't imagine my surprise going to, I took a black history course in college while I was still doing college, um, and yeah, I learned about a lot of these things that happened. And this like taught me. Yeah, you exactly were the one that told me that Christianity wasn't originally in Africa. I didn't know it was brought yeah. over to Africa. I thought there was a branch of Christianity from... already in Africa. Yeah, it came from Spain. Yeah, that 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 was fun. Um, but when you learn these types of things, it tells you just how much you don't know. And it's yeah, like... but you get you get mad the worse you learn too. I mean, like, like it, what, what we were we discussed the other day with the, uh, uh, you know, the the the, uh, the carnivals and the human farms, mm-hmm. and that, that just oh, yeah. that just pissed me off. All the human zoos. The, uh, oh yeah, those are fucked up. Yeah. The uh, what's that? What's that with the the uh, the black hit baby the and the whole yeah hit, hit the, the nigger, nigger baby. baby yeah yeah, and oh, then yeah. you have a, a cartoon like Popeye actually put that in an episode as a as a joke. Well, Popeye and Olive and all of all of all, those other characters playing that go on. I mean, it's hard to I mean, it's hard to look at it, but it's also like something you have to realize that America is the same country. Like it's 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 just, you know, a lot of progress has been happened, but it's not like that was like 
the Confederate States. That was America at one point. You have to, you know, learn the history. So as painful as it is, and believe me, I, I, we actually like during that class, I actually saw one of, you know, my fellow classmates actually like sort of have a breakdown, you know, at the end of it, where we talked about like, so what did everybody know? Like, what did everybody learn? You know, how'd you like this class? You know, and she was like overwhelmed by everything she learned. Um, and that's why I feel like the education aspect is important for our community because I had gone through all the public school 12 years and at best I'd, we had gone over and over again. Every history class I had gone through was literally like different shades of the exact same thing with like, you know, slight variations and the 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 black section the african-american section exact same bullet points george washington carver uh harriet tubman uh what you call it uh martin luther king malcolm x um, yeah well, i'm also Douglas. i'm also looking up because there there were people that i didn't learn in school like robert smalls who again he stole a confederate ship and rescued more slaves and mm-hmm. again he had a very happy ending well, he, he died, but, you know, relatively happy. Um, and then you had uh, Henry Box Brown, who mailed himself to freedom. Like, you have all of these all of these individuals, because they try to paint a picture that, that we all, you know, we all stayed in the servitude and there weren't a lot of revolutions, but there were. There were. There definitely were. Like, they definitely didn't just, like, stay complacent. And... Ugh, and even it, the history. Oh, go ahead. And, ju- and just before I forget, I, I feel like <laughs> I feel like the media also plays a part, and uh, media and entertainment also plays a part, and and informing the black youth, but informing black people because there should be movies, and and I I say this like there should be movies that mix fact with fiction because white people come up with movies all the time based on true stories that are wildly exaggerated we don't have uh, yep. we don't have movies like that like we, we can really have don't. we can have movies that tell a crazy story but mix truth with that story so people so you have black people watching this movie they're watching it for the movie but they're like did this did did that really go on during that time period and then they mm-hmm. look it up and they're like wow that actually happened you know yeah. it's the same thing with law and order svu they'll, they'll, they'll have these conversations and somebody will bring up this uh this event or this crime that actually happened in real life even though the episode is is fictional or based on a true story but not entirely true you know it gives the the viewers an opportunity to look up relevant stories that are true so they can see, okay, this could possibly happen. Yeah, that's... Um, or something well, like this has already happened. I would love to... Then that's kind of like why education, you know, like we need to learn more about our history because it definitely would fuel creativity a lot, uh, a lot more fluent or frequently because, you know, without, without knowing outside of what public school has taught you, if you don't dig deeper into African uh, lore, diaspora, history, I mean, you're going to get a lot of the same um, beats. A lot of the same figures as well. 
Yeah, and you're you gonna won't get a lot and of... you won't get people who are in different careers. Like Dwayne McDuffie. Dwayne McDuffie could inspire a lot of black kids to be comic book creators. Or like yep, I said, yep. Melvin Van Peebles. Melvin Van Peebles inspired me to go the guerrilla route as a black independent filmmaker. I think I think honestly Dwayne McDuffie should be taught in history books. Yeah. Like like he's actually you know, low key revolutionary, you know, writing stories. Yeah, milestone that comics was definitely yeah. Of course, the way he went out was kind of bad, but yeah. Um, but still, yeah, like there's a lot of things that I wish we had known, and that would definitely help fuel the creativity for the future. Oh, I, I definitely, uh, I definitely agree. And but it, it's good that we are getting movies that, while they may not be. They're fueling creativity, like Get Out, Sorry to Bother You. We're getting more out-of-the-box type movies well, that are saying, hey, we don't have to always make hood films or urban films. We can make films that talk about society, whether it be capitalism or interracial relationships. You know, make it, make, make it entertaining. And you still need to see Sorry to Bother You, by the way. Yeah. Movie. Yeah, very good movie. Gets weird. Yeah, I'm not going to spoil it, but it's... <laughs> It gets very weird. Oh, man. Yeah, I do need to get it. I mean, see it. I think, yeah, I think uh, it's up for, I don't know. I don't think it's on Netflix. Oh, man. Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll send you the link to it. I, can, I, can I say that on, on the radio? I'll send you huh? the link. Say what? The link to what? the trailer. Anyways. Yeah. Yeah. Shush. Hello. Yeah, thank you. The link to the trailer. I'll watch the trailer. link to the trailer. I'm going to send you a link to the trailer. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But Uh, yeah, we have been, we have been recording for quite some time. I think we, we pretty much summarized the different, the different uh, sections of why black education is important, especially why, why influences in our life are important, whether it be mentors or people we see on TV. And I, I know a, a lot of us are looking at these musicians and, and uh, you know, people who really aren't leaders and pillars of the community. So I, I feel like we need to, we need to, we need to have more people. We can't dictate what people do in their personal life that comes to, you know, come to, comes to public. But we do need more, diff- more of different types of people, so we don't have that small section where where black people are looking at and saying, "Okay, th- these are the most important black people in uh, in our community that we have to look up to." Like hey, Bill Cosby, um, I don't know who looks up to R. Kelly. <laughs> nah, no, I mean, unless they're on the knees taking a shot of piss, but you know. ain't nobody here, bro. <laughs> Nobody here. <laughs> but yeah, is is there any uh, other comments that anyone would like to add or questions? Uh, um, no, not necessarily. You know, um, I just feel like, especially we have to do our civil duties and just encourage younger people that may look up to us, especially of the African American and mixed too. So, I think yeah, all cultures kind of... should be well aware of right. other cultures, not a specific one, because I feel like. I would have appreciated being taught more of other cultures, maybe. 
because mm-hmm. I, I loved learning about, um, like, in Spanish and all that stuff. So, I don't know. I think if it was a little bit more important in the education system. Yes, definitely. For sure. It might prevent a lot of the hate that you see around now. Yeah, but you still have white parents teaching their kids. Yeah, but if we learned the history and all that stuff, we make that decision whether to be like our parents or better. Yeah, but then you have certain instances where um, Goldwell and I were talking about what creates white guilt. Oh, yeah. Um, I I forgot that one, though, because my brain is kind of, like, fried right now. Sorry. Are you tired? Very. It worked, like, drained me. Damn. I did. (laughs) I'm actually... We'll wrap this this up, all right? We're going to wrap this up, because it's it's been well over an hour, and I... I think we've covered just about all the uh, topics in this, in this current episode. <laughs> we mean I have. You've been the one talking. Which is which time. is which is strange because I normally don't talk this much. That's I, like a I'm, I'm passionate about this kind of stuff. We can passion. tell. Yeah. 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 That doesn't make you uncomfortable. No. That doesn't make you uncomfortable, you no. sir. You sir. I'm pretty. Being sure. like the only white person on this podcast. Why would that matter? I don't. I don't know. Why would it? You're just trying to make it uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this makes things uncomfortable. But, oh. no, but yeah, yeah. Goldwell's getting tired. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm hungry. So we'll we'll wrap this up. Um, I'm, He's gonna eat some sausage. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna eat a Juju B sausage. Shut up. Yeah. Oh no. It's not that big, but yeah. Oh my good lord. Um. So, yeah, I'm Linwood Storm, a.k.a. Electronic Jack of Black Grindhouse, and we have... Jerry B. from Free Reverie. <laughs> we have Dorian Black and Ari Hart with the Everyone Gets a Turn podcast. And Goldwell of Cosmic Source and Black Medium. You guys make sure to check those podcasts out. Um, yeah, the... yeah, I'm going to put the links of everybody's... Uh, social media at the description i'm gonna give you guys the audio so you guys can upload it to your to your uh respective podcast and i will see you the audience later peace Peace out peace